Hey, everybody, this is Marcia Reiner with Profit with a Plan podcast, and you have got to listen to this podcast coming up. I've got Scott Ritzheimer here, and we're going to talk about the stages founders are in and how they need to stay put until they're ready to move on. Business owners, you need to hear this so that way you're doing the right things at the right time on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. Hey, entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? If you're like most of us business owners, increasing your profitability is always on your mind. And you're probably looking for ways to grow your revenue while growing your company. Well, you found a podcast that shares ideas to help you do just that. I'm Marcia Reiner, known as the Profit Booster and a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small business owners to establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability guide your growth, and plans for a future exit. Because building a highly profitable and sale-ready business creates a win-win scenario. That's more money now and a windfall when it's time to let go. And I want to share strategies that I've learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have something special just for you, my podcast audience. Do you want to supercharge your business, avoid profit plateaus, operational headaches, and growth roadblocks? Well, I've got a brand new Profit Booster Playbook just for you. You'll uncover five essential strategies and a quick way to take action on them. This is not a, just a single page report. It's a 25-page profitable impact strategies with actionable steps and expert guidance to elevate your profits painlessly. Make 2024 your best year ever. Go download this free playbook at Boosting Profit. Com. All right, I'm excited to have my guest on today, Scott Ritzheimer. Scott has helped nearly 20,000 new businesses and nonprofits with his business partner and started their multi-million dollar business through an exceptional and extended growth phase. That's over 10 years of double-digit growth, all before he turned 20, 35. Today, he helps founders and CEOs identify and implement the one essential strategy they need right now to get them on, uh, on fast track to predictable success. Scott, welcome to Profit with a Plan podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, love the show. I had a chance to listen to a couple of episodes ahead of time, and I, I can't wait for this conversation. Oh, me too. You know, it's it's so much fun. You, um, I get to bring on experts like you on and um, you just make me look great because you have so much knowledge and um, and value for the audience. So I think I thank you for being a guest on today. But um, tell us now, um, how in the world you, you know, you, you got into growth strategies. I mean, you kind of said it a little bit in the in the prequel, but there's there's a gap there. You know, we don't just wake up one day and say, oh, be we're going to help companies grow their 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 companies right what what triggered it for you yeah i wish i could take credit for it it was almost complete accident uh what had happened was um i was looking for a part-time job you know early on just gotten married needed to put uh food on the table and uh was pursuing some other things and uh just happened to meet a guy and he had a, a small business and uh helped start organizations of all types for profits nonprofits, churches ministries hospitals the whole nine yards and uh they needed someone to help uh manage their support inbox like the literal mail 
room of the organization. Uh, it was an online business. And so I was like, yeah, it's as good as anything. It gives me the flexibility. I want to do some other things. Well, a couple months after I start, he sells the business, owner finances a deal, and then the next 18 months or so, I watched the organization systematically but unintentionally destroyed. Uh, the, the, and, and there's no bad guys. The owners wanted it to succeed. To succeed. He wanted it to succeed. The employees wanted it to succeed, and it didn't. It, it just fell apart at the seams. And uh, it was a painful process, right? Even though I was kind of low guy on the totem pole, it's still like it was my job. It was my company. I, I wanted it to succeed. And, and it didn't. And I mean, I learned more in that 18 months of seeing it all go wrong than I did when I ended up going back to business school later uh, in my career. And long story short, September 2008 comes. Um, they say, hey, this is it. We've taken as far as we can go. Yes, you're, yes, this, it gets I'm, better. I'm squirming because that's yeah, a terrible it gets better. Time. So uh, September 2008 comes and um, uh, the very beginning of the month before everything was really, really bad, they call and say, hey, we're done. You know, they call the previous owner and say, we're going to declare bankruptcy. If you want it back, it's yours. There's nothing else we can do with it. So uh, he jumps in a, a U-Haul, drives up uh, to uh, to where they, their headquarters was and picked up the, the last assets that remained, which is like three broken computers and a worn out desk chair. You know, the kind where like there's no more padding left and where you sit. That was about it. That was all that was left. And on uh, the drive up there, he calls me and tells me what's going on. And he says, hey, Scott, we, I, I think we can make it work. I want to give it another shot. Will you come and, and, and you know, relaunch this business with me? And, uh, and so we did. We had no idea what September 2008 meant at that time. And in the first six months of you know, starting this business again, stock market dropped, I think, 32 points, something along those lines. Uh, it was just a really difficult season. But it didn't matter. Like we were just going for it, you know. Like we had you nothing. You didn't know to what lose. you didn't know, right? Yeah, we, it would, we didn't know. What we didn't know. We had just been through just this awful eighteen months, and so the idea that we we might have a shot at this was was wonderful. Actually, it was really really hard. It was by no means easy, but it, it was uh, there was some spark to it, right? That entrepreneurial thing, and. You know, very long story short, uh, it, it worked. Uh, we, we, we were able to get the phones ringing. We were able to get clients coming in. We started hiring back some of the, a couple of the employees that uh, had been let go in the process. And, uh, and you know, that started just what was an exceptional run for us, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit in there. And during that time, uh, our core emphasis was on starting organizations. It was on all the stuff that you need to do that no founder wants to do, right? Stuff like your, your books or your, you know, articles of incorporation or, you know, for some organizations in the nonprofit world, like things like their bylaws or, or tax exempt stuff, like all this like nasty, gnarly stuff. Uh, but it's, it's all part of the journey, right? And so what we were able to do and what I didn't see being set up for me at the time was, I got to work hand in hand with with literally thousands of visionary leaders at the ground level, the starting point of their organization, where they were going from zero to one, from nothing to something. And uh, it was just an absolute privilege. It was you know having a front row seat at entrepreneurism in all its various forms was was a very, very cool experience for me. Wow. How exciting. But, you know, there's so many questions that pop out of this story, and I want to make sure we cover the direction we want to go on, on the call today. But what was the common theme that they were missing out on that you, too, had missed out on that you all of a sudden, I mean, there had to have been something there, right? What was yeah. that? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting because like startup mode. I mean, just honestly, a lot of them didn't make it, right? Uh, more of them than if they hadn't had help. But it's still the startup world's the startup world, and the, you know, there's lots of people who have published statistics around that. So, what is similar to where I learned more from our period of of challenge and failure. I also started to learn a lot more through theirs. So as we'd been doing this five, six, seven years, we were having folks call back and say, hey, I need to wind this thing down. How do I do it? And uh, and so, again, when, you do, when it's just all happening at the scale that it was, you start to see patterns play out. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, it wasn't for a lack of vision, right? It, and, and it wasn't for a, a, commit, a lack of commitment or a lack of enthusiasm. Uh, more often than not, it was that they were there years later still juggling the balls themselves, right? They, they had not found the people to surround themselves with, whether it was because they couldn't trust them, whether it was because they didn't learn how to manage them effectively, uh, whether it was that they just didn't focus on the right things early enough to, to drive enough success to need the help um, but they they failed to really build the something outside of themselves that was the primary mm. driver and uh, and so where that really started to hit though was when I could start seeing these stories reflected in our own the same challenges that we were experiencing you know, as a founder in it myself when I started seeing some of these later stage patterns showing up in where I was right then and there, that's when it became real. Uh, and that's when it became real hard because it's like, oh, wow, this is affecting me too. What am I going to do about it? Wow. Okay. So you, you hit on the point, the stages, right? You know, so many businesses, I know that, um, you know, they, they play in a space that they shouldn't be in, excuse me, business owners, right? You know, they, they think that their business is either way farther than it should be uh, or, or not far enough than what they're already doing. You know, they're just doing the wrong activities at the wrong time for the size and structure and space of where their business is. So maybe, you know, why don't you take us through kind of that stages of where the business is and why why we should recognize that that's the place that we should be playing in. I guess if yeah. that's a question going yeah. right. So uh, kind of open it up with what's the symptom of whether you've got this wrong or not, right? Because some people are like, who cares? You know, I remember the first time there was this podcast absolutely transformed my life. It literally uh, allowed us to triple our bottom line in a single year. And it was about business life cycle stages, which is like, I'm about to fall asleep just saying it on this podcast. But so like the, so, like thinking of something in stages right, is, is very boring just in, inherently. So let's liven it up a little what does this look like what is it costing us so right. it's it's football season i just unfortunately talked to somebody from buffalo and i'm from <laughs> pittsburgh it just wasn't great but we, we got past it we had a great call uh but so uh but anyway um imagine that you know it's the big game and there's just a couple seconds left on the clock you don't have to know anything about football for this to make sense so just just stay with me here but uh so uh you've got to get into the end zone to to score to win if you get in you win if you don't you lose that simple and you know just the play for it. you've called it and ran it thousands of times and uh so you call it, it's a fake to the running back and a, a, a throw and and so everyone lines up and, and it strikes you like there's something different about it this time. And this time, instead of being lined up on the field, you're lined up on the sideline. Mm -hmm. And now that it's time to go, now that it's time to get for the game to actually happen, to win or lose, it's the ball's not in your hands. It's not going to be in your hands. And so the best you can do is hope that you've trained them enough, that you've called the right plays and that they're ready to go. 
So hike the ball, quarterback gets it, fakes to the running back. The play works, right? Everyone on the defense is tricked. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not just them that's tricked. As you kind of pan to the left, you see your wide receiver has fallen for the trick as well and is not running to where he needs to be to catch the ball. And so without a moment's hesitation, without even thinking about it, you bolt down the sideline, like fast as you've ever run in your life. The headset goes flying, the clipboard hits one of your assistant coaches, like you, and they're gonna study the physics on this for a while because nobody can figure out how you got all the way down there in time. But you get to the end zone in time, you make the diving catch. Right. And and what would have been, you know, like the most epic of plays of all time results in silence. 80,000 people in the stadium and you could hear a pin drop because everyone knows what happened is not right. That, that can't happen. And so you get up, you start doing your touchdown dance. And the only thing that's moving, the only thing that's happening is these little yellow things come flying in your direction, right? <laughs> Penalty flags. And these men in black and white stripes come running <clears throat> toward you. What would have been a heroic diving catch is a penalty right? What would have caused you to win the game has now cost you the game. What would have gotten you picked up and cheered and celebrated by your team is now an embarrassment to your team. And as outrageous as this is, we would never see it happen in the world of professional right. football or any other sport for that matter. I see it every single day in the organizations that I work with. Well, hang on just a second, because you gave us a little precursor in the beginning that you did need to understand football to understand the story. But I think you did need to understand football a little, a little bit, bit yes. to understand that story. But tell us the problem that we saw right there, because I'm seeing the problem here, but I want to yes. make sure the audience connects so, yes. the dots. When you are the coach on the sideline, you are not a player on the field. <laughs> and so yes. you cannot cross this big white line that exists on, on any sporting field, right? Uh, make it your tennis coach, make it your uh, soccer coach, uh, you, any coach, any sporting environment, the coach has the benefit of a clear boundary, right? There's something outside of them that demarcates, this is how far you can go to do your job. Founders don't have white lines. They don't mm. have boundary lines. Right. Mm. There's no you walk into your office and you look down at the floor. There's nothing says that you can't stop there. And it's your office. Right. No one. No one is going to tell you that you can't step there. And so what happens is without some external signal that we have crossed a line, without some external signal that we've we've crossed a boundary, we keep trying to do the things that we've done in the past that created success, right? We keep mm -hmm. trying to make the diving catch. We keep trying to make the customer happy. We keep trying to close the big deal. We keep trying to, you know, manage certain people a, a, a certain way. And, and we're doing things that once were appropriate, right? For a football player to catch a ball is a good thing, right? It's something that we celebrate. For a soccer player to make a goal, that's great. For a tennis player to hit it over the, the net, that's fine. But when you're the coach, that's not your job anymore. Right. And so what we have to do is we have to evolve. So if you find yourself as a founder frustrated that you feel like you're having to do all the work, or if you find yourself um, frustrated that your team members aren't keeping up, or uh, if you feel like you've got to figure it out anytime something goes wrong, these are all signs that you are functioning from the wrong stage. You're hanging mm. on to the skill sets that yes, you needed in the past and, and from time to time you still need today, but you're over relying on those things and it's costing you dearly.
Wow. Love the story. Thank you, Scott. That was so much fun. I mean, I was all excited thinking, you know, because I just watched so many times in the game last night where the quarterback ran right into the to the um, end zone. And I'm thinking, well, doesn't he have a team? Why is he scoring all the time? He has team players. He should be throwing or passing, not running himself. That's what I was thinking. So it matches that story nicely that, hey, you're part of a team. There should be a lot of moving parts or three moving parts or two moving parts, but more than one moving part, right? To be able to make the 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 success happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and there's a progression that happens, right? Because for the quarterback, you know, especially when they were back in high school, anything you can do to get the ball in the end zone is it, right? So there's this mode of being the star player. And for entrepreneurs, it's what happens when you start the business. It's up to you, right? You have to execute well. You have to be good at what you do. And then what happens, you start bringing some folks in around you uh, and, and you start to realize, oh, it's not just my job to do anymore. I have to get them to do their jobs as well but they're both happening at the same time you can't listen to the leadership books and say all you have to do is coach your people because you have your job to do too right you still have your piece of the business that needs to happen uh, and so we we move from being a star player as our primary role to being a captain on the field mm. and, and that's where the quarterback's getting it wrong is that they're over relying on their star player status and it wasn't enough uh and uh and so from that captain on the field, that's where we move into the fourth stage is coach on the sideline. And to, to bring this to founders, right, uh, uh, going back to this idea of boundary lines and what's different, uh, one of the things that employees get is each time they kind of change ranks, if you will, they get a new title that comes with it. You know, there's a sense of like you were, you know, a, a, a account representative. Now you're a senior account representative or now you're an account manager or now you're, you know, whatever it may be. There's a title that comes with the role change and it's still difficult to do. It's still difficult to make that transition. But for founders, what's the title on their business card the day that they start their business It's founder and CEO, right? You don't become a CEO in the true sense of what a CEO is until stage five. Mm. And so there are you know, there are distinct stages each step of the way on your journey from founder to CEO, and you have to recognize what those stages are so that you know how to succeed right here and right now. Wow. Love it. Great, great, great story. All right. So fill in the gaps. You showed us four. You showed us five. Tell us where, and we know one is. One is the, you know, we're hanging the open for, for business sign out. Um, how do we recognize those stages and what should we be doing in each one of those? Yeah. So one actually happens before you start. Uh, and, and the best way to find out what stage you're in is to find out what, what question are you asking yourself, right? Mm. And anyone who's a founder, you remember the days before you started your business, you were what I call a dissatisfied employee. You were, you yeah. were thinking, there's got to be a better way. Right. There's got to be a better way. That's the defining question for stage one. So eventually that just kind of burns a hole in us. We have to do it. We got to try. We hang our shingle. We become that startup uh, entrepreneur, that star player. And uh, and then the defining question becomes, what did I get myself into? 
right? Exactly. You know, because it's it's glorious and it's terrible. It's wonderful and it's awful. We, we tend to wear what I call the entrepreneurial smile for anyone watching on video. It's kind of like a, a grin of pain, the, you know? How's it going? Great. You know, it's awesome. Uh, and it's really hard. But, but you've got the freedom to prove yourself, right? That, that's really what it comes down to most founders is uh, let me just see if I've got what it takes, if I can make it happen. Mm -hmm. and, and so let's say we do, we have some success. We start to bring in a few people. Stage three is what I call the reluctant manager, right? Or, or the, the, the captain on the field, because there's not a founder. Tell me if you've ever met one, but I've never met a founder who started their business so they can manage people. Right. Yeah. There's just easier ways of accomplishing that goal. And, and so what happens is founders think I I'm not a manager, right? They think of it as DNA when it's actually a skill set, at least the degree to which you need to learn how to manage as a founder. And so what's the defining question? How do you know if you're in this stage? If you wake up thinking what's wrong with these people? Right. Because because your employees, they don't think like you do. They don't act like you do. Right. They don't make decisions like you do. They don't take responsibility like you do. Uh, and, and so you've got this group of people around you who aren't like you. And is that good not like you or bad not like you? Right. Because you don't want everyone to be an entrepreneur because that would be crazy. But they have to have something in them. What is that thing? And uh, and so we've got to get the right people around us. Just the thing I opened up earlier. We call them operators. There's a whole lot on, on what that is, but you've got to find folks who love to get stuff done. That's really mm. what it boils down yeah. to. And when you do, what happens, you get a lot of folks who can get a lot of stuff done. Maybe not ever quite as much as you can. You know, we'll let the reader interpret, but, uh, but you've got folks that are around you. And again, you're kind of quarterbacking a group full of operators. And, and what happens is we think that as businesses get bigger, they get better, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and there's all these kind of lines in the sand that we'll draw. So once I get to $1 million, I'll be happier. Once I get to $5 million, we'll have the money we need to do what I, you know, to go after my dream. Or, you know, once I, we get to $10 million, I'll finally be a real entrepreneur. Well, we may mm -hmm. not say these things, but we think them. We, there's yeah. these points that we think if we can get there, it'll be okay. And then you get to the other side of it. There's a, a guy, he'd been working to build a $10 million business with $1 million of profit for 18 years. He got there, remarkable success, right? Who wouldn't want that is kind of what we think. He gets a million dollars of profit. You know, the very first thing he says to me, I've got to figure out how to pay a $400,000 tax bill. Right. And it's like, we can kind of think like, oh, boo hoo, you know, like there's worse problems to have. But the reality of it is you work 18 years to watch 40% of what you created go to taxes. And this isn't about taxes. It's just about the disillusionment that we face as leaders. And it's mm -hmm. so much that we, we find ourselves that that question shifts from what's wrong with these people to, is this it? Like, is this really as good as it gets? Is this really what being a founder is all about? Is this really why I've been working so hard for so long? Yeah. And, and we start to, if we're not careful, we can start to even lose our vision for the organization. We can mm -hmm. start to feel like we've reached our capacity. This is as far as we can go. We can start to think that this is not what we want to be doing anymore. And, and we can, we can, you know, especially in a moment of weakness, just feel like it's, you know, it's time to give up, right? I've talked to founders and the only reason they show up is because they own the place, right? Like they, you know, if, if they were working, they had to quit a long time ago. And, uh, and, and, but when they go and tell people on the outside, they're like, you lead a multi-million dollar business. What are you complaining about? Right. Or, right. you know, they tell a family member and they're like, well, why don't you just sell the business and get a, a job? And, and like, 
folks just don't they, they don't necessarily get it and it's not necessarily their job to get it but that that disillusioned leader stage is so hard because if you kind of map progress it feels like even though the organization might be going up and to the right our experience as founders is going down to the right and and we think if this is like if the move from stage two, you know, startup entrepreneur to stage three, reluctant manager to stage four is disillusioned leader, I don't want to see what stage five looks like because we think that it's further down. And, and here's the here's the truth. Here's the great news about the stage. It is not even remotely down into the right. In fact, stage five is the single biggest transformation for founders. It is for folks who have not been through it. It's unbelievable when you really look at what it's like. But, you know, the average founder can maybe last two or three years in stage four without like really, really struggling. The average founder could last 15 to 20 years in stage five because it, it just fits them better. It, it's mm. where they move into that chief executive, that CEO seat for the very mm -hmm. first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a beautiful transformation that happens. It's a hard one, right? It, it, it does cost something. You have to choose whether or not you want it. But if you know what change to take, it's a remarkable transformation. Wow. So you just really mapped it out there for us. Um, I know that a lot of the, the listeners may not even realize that they're not in stage five yet. They're probably still in stage three um, or maybe stage two or even, you know, if they're lucky, stage four. Right. So they're moving around in those spaces. How do they really, truly what are the four, four or five questions again that they're asking themselves so they know what they're doing? And then how do we make that the best time for them in that yeah. stage? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the things that's helpful is the, the number of people you have around you is one of the drivers for this. Now, it's not a fix like exactly, but for instance, you're in startup entrepreneur mode until I say you've hired a handful of people, right? So right. if you've got a handful of people, that's when you'll start to feel the pain of having to manage those people. Uh, a similar thing, usually around 15 to 20, 25 people is where we actually start bringing in other managers and, and they start to alleviate the pain of having to manage. But in the backside of that, we're sitting there wondering, it's kind of like Ricky Bobby, like, what do I do with my hands? You know, like, what do I do with myself now? It's like, I, and, and, and that's when folks start feeling sidelined. So if you're sitting there, you got a successful business and uh, maybe it's still really hard, but you, 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 you're feeling that a little like, oh, some days I feel like I'm put out to pasture. Some days I feel like I just get in the way. I just cause problems. Uh, chances are you, you may very well be in, in that stage four. Uh, and when you're in stage five, here's how to know that you're in stage five is that you are big enough and have done the heavy lifting of building an executive team around you. Mm -hmm. If you don't have an executive, not just leaders who are like, your first run round of people who you tell what to do and they go do it, but you have folks who really challenge you, right? Who, who challenge you to think differently, who know when it's appropriate to say no to your bad ideas, uh, who are thinking a couple yeah. stages, a couple, you know, you know, series down the road further than you are in their area of expertise. That's when you've set, that's one of the requirements, the prerequisites, if you will, to stepping into it. Because if you don't have executives, how can you be the chief executive? 
I love it. I love it. So now that we know the stages, we know what it feels like and where we're in it. Um, since most of the listeners, like I said, are probably sitting in that stage two or three or you know maybe even stage four, where are some of the things that they can do to, or what are some of the things that they can do to really enhance that stage for them, for themselves, right? The founders to make that the enjoyable company that they want, right? If yeah. they're standing on the sidelines, how do we make sure that they're really taking advantage of that and loving the business again enough yeah. to stay in it so so they're not killing it, kind of like your original story yeah. that it fell apart. How do we make that how do we make that stage the best it can be? Yeah. So three steps. One is know what stage you're in. Right. And so a lot of times what's happening when folks don't really understand these stages, new concept, you know, not a lot of folks teach it is you end up kind of fighting three stages all at the same time. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so the, the, the thing that we want to do is we tend to want to be the highest of those stages, right? Two, three, four, we want to be the coach. It's like, man, if I could just get rid of all this stuff and just be a coach, it would be so much easier. The reality of it is to progress, you actually have to go to the lowest common denominator. You've got to go back to what, what did I not complete in stage two so that I can let that go and step into stage three. Then how mm -hmm. do I deal with everything for stage three and then move to stage four? So the hard part there is you have to recognize I'm not as far along in some of these areas as I thought. And if you go back, what will happen is you will rapidly accelerate through each of those stages by just giving them the focus and attention they need and by doing it well. So recognize right. what stage you're in. If you're fighting multiple stages, go back to the earliest one that you've not done very well. And then from there, by doing that, you're going to cut so many things off of your plate, right? One of the big things, uh, folks uh, take the, uh, we've got a book that goes through all these different stages, and, and for each one, there's a couple of essential strategies. It's not much. And while that feels like, oh, it's just more I have to do, when you look at it, if it's not one of those essential strategies, that doesn't mean you don't need to be doing it, at least not a lot of it. And so by knowing the one or two things that are necessary for that stage, you can say no to the 30 or 40 other things that are clamoring for your attention. Yay. With that 80-20 rule, totally yes, right on point with that. Focus on what's important in that stage to be able to move the company forward. Yeah. And you're doing less, not more, right? Yeah. yeah. The, if take and, and, and I think one more one more quick thing. I think mm -hmm. the hardest part of the business really should be the getting it out of the gate phase, right? And not making it harder every time because you won't let go of the things that you're not supposed to be doing. Absolutely. I'll come across founders and like they're just exhausted. And and it's like, well, if we play the game tape back, like you're a coach on the sideline and you're running up and down on every single play. That's not adding value to anybody. Right. And so what you end up finding is that you're doing these things that you used to need to do for success and they're exhausting because they're it's hard. Right. Like some of this stuff is hard, but you don't need to be spending energy on that anymore. Uh, and so just having a little bit more margin in your life. I mean, if, if you could wish one thing for most founders is just a little bit of margin in your life, because that's what that's what brings the ability to get inspired again. It's what mm -hmm. brings the ability to actually spend some time on vision again. It's mm -hmm. what brings down just the pressure and the tension so that we can show up and be present in the moment. Mm -hmm. and, and that would be the, the kind of final step of this process of, of how do you have joy with it? And uh, one of the things that happens, especially you hear about the different stages, it's like, I want to get to the next stage, right? Or I want to get to five stages from now. And, it's, and, and 
there's not actually a whole lot of benefit in trying to skip stages. It doesn't work, right? Instead, you just end up fighting multiple stages at the same time. So rather than hanging our hope on getting to a certain stage, right, or, or feeling accomplished when we hit stage whatever, what, what you want to do is look for the joy that's available in that stage. And, and in each and every stage, there's something really, really special. There's something really precious that if you ask folks that are five and 10 years later, three, four, five stages later, they'll say, man, I, I miss those days, right? Uh, how many times do you talk to folks who are later in their career? Oh, I miss those days. And, and the biggest tragedy that we can have is to, to, to not just miss them then, but to miss them now, not take advantage of the joy that's available to us. So for example, if you're in stage three, you get to get stuff done, right? Uh, there was a, an executive and, and uh, they're being coached. And uh, one of the things that they were spending a ton of time on was booking all their own travel. And, and they're like, you have, you have an assistant. Why are you booking your travel? You actually have a really competent assistant. Why are you booking your travel? And when it came down to it, they were hanging on to it because it was one of the few things that they could start and finish in the same day. <laughs> Right? Because you get into right. these later stages, there's more complexity, things take a little longer to happen. You don't have that same instant sense of gratification. And so where in when we're in stage three, we're like, oh, there's so much that has to get done. How am I ever going to get it all done? What you can turn that around is think, I actually get to complete these things. Sure, there will always be a list, but there are things that I get to start and finish in the same day. And it's precious. It's something mm. really special. Mm. And that's so often overlooked, right? You know, um, having that sense of completion and 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 just success, right? You know, these are little steps that all e equal up to more bigger, bigger, bigger things. Yeah. So I love the story of being able to book your own travel. is is satisfying, right? <sighs> Check. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it is it's, what it is, and that's it's great. So true. And and to take this around and make it a little personal, uh, so. My, my kids are at the time of this recording, 12, 10, and two. They're, they're all getting older, so that won't be true forever uh, as much as I want it to be. But with my, my boys who are 12 and 10, the first couple years of their life are like, I don't really know what to do with you. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't have the, yeah, I just, I don't know what to do. Uh, give them to me whenever they're three or four, they can kick a ball, we'll have a blast. Right. I loved them, you know, they were the world to me. I just, I just did not feel equipped to deal with them at that stage in their life. And, uh, and so fast forward uh, about 10 years and we had our, our last uh, child, a cute, 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 cute little girl. And I was just a different person then, right? 10 years older, I'd, we'd been through a lot as a family and, and I just set my heart, I was like, hey, I'm not any more equipped to, to you know, show up in these first two years than I was with the boys, but that's not going to define how much joy I take out of this season. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give myself to enjoying every moment of it, no matter how mundane it is. And can I tell you, looking back now, the joy that I missed in my boys' early years, right? I, and again, we're, it's wonderful. I, I love them now. We're in a new season and it's got its own challenges, but joy is not found in a destination. It's found mm. in the journey each and every single day. Wow. And business is a journey, every single step of it, every single day of it, whether it's a good journey, bad journey, short journey, long journey, they're all parts of it that lead up to it. And I, and you know, so many, I love the analogy of your family and the babies, because, you know, many of us think our, our business is our baby. We birthed it, right? We raised it, we fed it, we 
did everything. We went through all the sorrows and, and bumped knees and everything with it. And then, you know, thinking about letting it go later on or, or growing it or having someone tell you, you could do it better. You know, there's all those emotions that go with it. Um, I love that you put that analogy. That's probably a whole really great book since we're both authors, you know, to figure out how to write a book about birthing the business, right. And, and the stages and the visions of everything that go along yeah. with it. That would be a great one. The, uh, most sorry. founders have enough blood sweat and tears in their business to call it at least a relative, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> at least, at least. So this is great. Scott, you've given us some really great stories here, some really great ideas about the business and the journey that we're on and the stages that we should be in and where to savor those biz, uh, those those parts of the business and where to really focus on so we can be more impactful and and not running in the end zone, flipping off the clipboard and, you know, doing the happy dance when we should be on the sidelines. So I love all these analogies and stories that you've come up with, but we have to close this up. Where can listeners find out more about you, your books, and how maybe they can get some help in their phase of their business? Absolutely. Well, best thing you can do if any of this has resonated with you is to head on over to scalearchitects.com forward slash founders. And there you'll be able to get a free copy of the book. It's not just the first chapter, it's the whole thing. Uh, it's a book intentionally written for founders. So the big promise is in about 60 or so pages, I'll help you save 10 hours this week by yeah. just understanding and being clear and confident in knowing what stage you're in and then knowing what the couple of essential strategies are for that stage. There's so many things you can let go of right away so you can mm -hmm. focus on doing those things that will bring you success in a fraction of the effort and stress i love it wow wow listeners can you get to, what what could you do with 10 more hours right i mean that's huge that's a huge number of hours to get back in your week um that you're probably throwing away so um thanks scott i'll make sure i download that book as well all right, listeners, I hope you found a couple ideas to put into your business that will help you become more profitable. As I mentioned, hey, you want to supercharge your business? Go download my new book. Uh, it's a profit booster playbook packed with five strategies and actionable steps that you can use to make 2024 your most profitable year. Go grab it for free at boostingprofit.com. And Scott and I would love to hear your questions. Tell us what phase you're in and what you're doing. And maybe even after you get that download, come back and tell us uh, uh, what you're going to do with those 10 hours you get back, right? And we'll be we'll be on the on the um, on the comment stream to respond to your comments. And while you're at it, please subscribe. As always, you can catch Profit with Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. And we're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thanks so much, Scott.